here today for uh, South Oaks Live again this week, and we're just really glad that you've joined us on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, today we're beginning a four-week series all about God's grace. I'd like to uh, get you excited about these next four weeks by telling you that I truly believe this series holds the potential to change your life. Look, I'm sure we've all heard the term God's grace before, but maybe um, have you ever really taken the time to just, you know, kind of like take a second and stop and think about what it really means? So just, just for a second, right there in your home or in your car or wherever you are right now, uh, just take a second and just give a little thought. What does God's grace, what does that term mean to you? Well, the dictionary's got about nine or ten definitions for the word grace. Uh, in our context, I, I, I looked at a few that I thought were the most appropriate for what we're talking about. And the ones that I found are a disposition to be generous or helpful, mercy, a favor rendered by one who need not do so, clemency or reprieve, and then finally, this one I just love. The dictionary says that the defi one definition of grace is divine love and protection bestowed freely on mankind. The state of being protected or purified by the favor of God. Well, one thing we can see from these definitions, and like the video told us, is that for sure is that God's grace is a gift that encompasses so much more than just forgiveness. Although, that's what many people limit its meaning to be. So this morning, let's begin to discover the truth behind the statement that God's grace is more than forgiveness. Before we read this morning's scripture, I want to share a story with you, though, about an abusive husband and his wife. Uh, the husband was a rageaholic. He had fits of anger, and sometimes, unfortunately, this overflowed into violence. His wife had been slammed into kitchen cabinets and struck across the face, and even more. But I don't think I need to go in greater detail for you to get the picture. Because this wife was a churchgoer, and she loved the man that she had married, she thought it was biblical for her to extend grace to her husband. So each time he would come back and apologize, she would forgive him. But she also lived in fear of the next rage riot and the fact that it might be the one that went too far. She was literally concerned for her life. You know, the only thing this woman knew about God's grace was that it meant forgiveness. She knew that God had forgiven her, and as a result, she believed that it was her responsibility to always extend that same grace to others, including her abusive husband. So she knew a small piece of God's grace, but only enough to put her in danger. While it is God's grace that forgives and restores, that forgiveness alone left her feeling abused and in fear. Look, I think uh, all of us right now would want to tell that woman, get out! It's not safe. In fact, I think any reasonable follower of Jesus would understand that woman, that wife, has no duty to remain at home and risk injury or death 
because of some notion of grace that's limited to only meaning constant forgiveness. And what about her husband? Obviously a guy trapped by his own thoughts, his behaviors, and his emotions that are going to harm everyone in his life and destroy his own life as well. Sympathetically, we can see he's a guy with lots of issues and problems, a guy in desperate need of help, but he needs help that goes way beyond just his wife's forgiveness. Fact is, the most gracious thing that his wife could do for him would be to move out and then demand that he gets the help that he needs to deal with his deep pain and abusive anger. This couple and their situation is just one example of the danger of having an incomplete view of God's grace, one that just accepts an endless cycle of sinful behavior followed by dutiful forgiveness. So that's them. But what about us? What about you and me? What do you think? Would a grace-filled God just leave us in the condition that he finds us in? Would God just spend his days constantly reminding us of our shortcomings and failures while he's waiting for us to repent and seek his forgiveness? Would a loving creator settle for just waving his hand of forgiveness and telling us to go and sin no more without doing anything to help us, to equip us, to empower us, to overcome what's otherwise just an endless cycle of sin in our lives. If that were true, he would be a pretty cold and comfortless God. But fortunately, that's not true. That's not how our God is or the way he behaves. The problem is not with God, but with our understanding of his grace and how it works in our lives. Jesus will not just leave us to ourselves any more than he just left sick people sitting by the side of the road. He didn't just forgive their sins. He healed them. But before we continue, there are a couple of basics we need to understand about God's grace. First, God's grace does forgive, but it also guides. A lot of people focus on the issue of heaven and hell after death. But what about heaven and hell while we're alive? God's grace is available to lead and guide us to make our lives better right now. The fabric of our everyday lives is filled with the grace of God. But if we only seek God's grace when we've blown it, when we've sinned, we've actually missed out on access to the greater part of God's grace. Second, grace restores, but it also guards. God's grace instructs us how to deny ungodly, sinful behaviors while also instructing us in the how-to of sensible, wise, healthy, upright, godly living. The great news is that we can experience the victory of salvation here and now as well as there and then. Romans 14, 17 tells us that the kingdom brings righteousness, peace, and joy, and that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into that righteousness, peace, and joy in our current everyday lives. And while the kingdom of God is never attained, it can be received. It's our choice 
if we will receive the kingdom of God and his grace in our lives today and every day. So, today's uh, passage in Titus speaks to us about this grace. Now, the Apostle Paul was, you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was writing to a young pastor named Titus. A young man Paul called his true child in the faith. So here's what Paul's letter taught Titus about the scope of grace and the total scope of God's grace. Let's read today's passage. It's found in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. And it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all unwickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So what do we need to learn from this passage about the broader meaning of grace? The question is, since now we know there's more, how do we experience the fullness of God's grace in our lives? Well, the first thing we need to do is to receive God's grace by becoming a follower of Jesus. Because grace does bring salvation. Scripture tells us. First of all, the passage confirms the truth that many of us are already familiar with, that God's grace is the foundation of our salvation, and that it's available to everyone, anytime, any place. Isn't it great to know that you're never too dirty, you're never too sinful, you're never too broken for God to be willing to receive you? We don't earn it. It's a gift. We just have to receive it. Ephesians 2.8 confirms that. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved. Did you get that? Ephesians 2.8 said, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. The second thing you need to do to experience all of God's grace in your life is to allow God's grace to teach you to say no. God's grace actually helps us to say no. God doesn't want you and me trapped in this endless cycle of sin and forgiveness. I mean, why would he allow sin to rule over us all the days of our lives? God knows that the enemy of our souls whispers enticement before we sin, but then he shouts condemnation afterward. The enemy is so skilled in subtle influence followed by paralyzing guilt. God loves us too much to leave us vulnerable to all that. So he speaks to us even in our sin. And his message is one of restoration and hope. He takes our defeat, our failure, and he turns it into the very fabric of instruction. God wants us to learn from our past sins. That's why John 8, 11 says, and this was Jesus talking to someone, and he said, go and sin no more. Look, Jesus wouldn't tell someone to go and sin no more if it wasn't possible to do that. God isn't only willing to forgive us, but he's also eager to teach. 
He'll guide our paths and he'll correct our steps and he'll move us away from sinful behaviors. Not with some kind of forced obedience, but he does it by revealing the content of our hearts. What do we mean by that? Well, if you struggle with anger, Jesus wants to reveal its source and then heal the weakness that leads to it. Some people live with greed. If so, he'll heal, he'll reveal the insecurity that led to it, and he'll help us to trust him more fully. If lust is the issue, Jesus wants to reveal the desire behind it, heal the weakness that opens us up to it. Maybe it's judgment being judgmental. Well, Jesus will reveal the pride behind it, and he'll heal that. Here's the thing. Part of God's grace is his desire to heal the weaknesses that lead us to sin. Isn't that great? God's grace is so much more than just being about forgiving our sins. It's also about teaching us a new way to live. So he's designed his grace to keep on working for us. Teaching us to say no to ungodly living and worldly passions to say no to sin. Look, that means we can proactively call on God's grace before we slip into sin, and His grace will help us to say no to it. Finally, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to show, you, to show us how to live. God teaches us how to live. God's grace teaches us how to live. I think we'll all agree. Look, that there's, that there's more to the Christian life than just saying no to sin. Or even just having the slate, you know, the slate wiped clean week after week. God's grace in our lives wants to teach us a new way to live. His grace will work in our lives to replace old sinful habits with self-control. So that we can have the freedom to live healthy, upright, godly lives. Now, during this lifetime, this isn't possible because we're strong, because we can figure it out, and because we can do it. It's possible because God is strong, and his grace is sufficient to accomplish that task if we just call on it and invite it into our lives. Think about it. God's grace will show us ways to have a better marriage. His grace will show us new ways to deal with our kids and our grandkids. He'll help us forge meaningful relationships with our neighbors. His grace can help make us productive and valuable contributors in our jobs. Just tell God the area of your life where you need an outpouring of his grace. And then watch and see what happens. Finally, to experience all of God's grace in your life. Invite God to fill you with hope. The dictionary defines hope as to look forward to with confidence of fulfillment. So we can look forward with confidence, not only regarding our eternity, but we can also experience God's tangible hope for today. We can live confident of fulfillment of God's promises and blessings in our lives. We can live confident that he goes before us, that he protects us, 
that he provides for us, and that he heals us. We can even look forward with confidence that he'll see us through this whole coronavirus pandemic. We don't need to live in fear. Because his grace not only takes us to heaven when we die, but it brings heaven close to us while we're alive. We just have to receive it. God's grace is so much more than just forgiveness. Today, as we get ready to close, I just want to invite you to ask God to reveal and release all of his grace into your life. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, today, we thank you, Father, that as we've begun this journey understanding God's grace in our lives, Lord, that we've learned that today it is so much more than just forgiveness. And so, Father, today, I just pray that each of us that are listening, that are here, Lord, that we would just tell you about what area of our lives needs your grace. And, Lord, that you would just release your grace into us in new, fresh, and abundant ways. Lord, that we would receive it. And that, Father, it would just uh, begin a process of transforming our lives in new and radical ways that bring us closer to you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.